Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumlaw Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumlaw or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumlaw.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Well, again, I will say good morning and welcome to Grumlaw Church. We are so glad all of you decided to join us here on this beautiful Labor Day weekend. It's like summer is back with with a vengeance, and we are glad that you carved out a little bit of time and decided to spend it here with us. And if you are new around here, uh, we're thankful, honestly, again, that you had uh, the courage that you made that decision to make this a part of your week. We recognize you could be doing a lot of different things here this morning, and we're thankful you decided to tune in here today. Uh, And right here, kind of on the front end, I want to give uh, those of you who are new around here, a bit of a heads up. Uh, You're going to be listening in on a conversation this morning that that is admittedly pretty insider-focused. Normally, on on Sunday mornings, we cater these entire mornings and and certainly these messages, what I'm doing right now, uh, to those who are are new to this whole church experience. But today, uh, given that this is a holiday weekend, and if I'm just being honest, we usually have less guests, new people than normal. Uh, It's sort of your tried and true who show up, who tune in. Uh, I've kind of catered this message accordingly. So while I will wholeheartedly encourage you, if you are new, to adopt what it is that I'm going to be teaching this morning, admittedly, uh, if you're still on the fence about this whole Jesus fella, uh, you get to sort of pick and choose your way through this stuff. And, and if the question crosses your mind at any point during this message today, like, is, is that guy, that, that Shay dude always this direct? The answer from, from those who would call this place their church home would probably be, well, yeah, he does have a way of speaking in a straightforward manner, but it's not usually this much packed into a single message. So in my encouragement, if you are new, and we actually say this just about every single week, uh, is to come back for at least three straight weeks. Uh, and the reason that we issue that challenge, that invitation, uh, is because every single week is unique, every week is different, and it's just going to take at least a couple of weeks for you to really get a feel of, of who we are, of what we're all about, And uh, I say it just about every week, I'm kind of bullish on the point that if you come back for three straight weeks, God will begin to show up in your life in such a way that you're going to want to keep coming back. You're going to want to keep leaning in. Uh, So again, take that challenge. We hope to see here over the next couple of weeks here as well. Fall is obviously right around the corner and lots of fun stuff happening around here. Now, the title of today's message, as you've likely already gathered, is Owner. Uh, Around here, we often use the language, make the move from attender to, to owner where we encourage those of you who have been showing up here for a little bit uh, to get off of the sidelines. You know, where you kind of get here two minutes before the service starts, you sit through the service, and then you're right back out the door as soon as we dismiss. Rather than merely attending Grumlaw Church, you begin instead to play a role in what God is doing around here. Now, now to be very, very clear, uh, everyone starts right here. Everyone starts as an attender. You, you, you take in, you, you consume. In fact, the hallmark question of the attender is, is what's in it for me? Now, you maybe have not put this in such direct terms, but, but all of us initially showed up to a place like this asking the question, hey, how is this place going to make my life better? And, and probably, if, if you kept coming back, at least initially, at some level, you felt like this place was improving your life, and so you decided to keep coming back. This is where virtually everyone begins, and again, there's nothing wrong with this. But, but, but what we aren't shy about saying to people amongst this church is, hey, don't stay there for too long. 
That is, don't stay parked in the attender seat for, for very long. Even if you still find yourself, for instance, wrestling with some of the basics of the Christian faith, I mean, you're not even sure if, if Jesus really is the Son of God. Make that move to owner quicker than, than what probably feels comfortable to you. In, in fact, one of our primary drivers around here is our value, belong before you believe. See, it's okay if you don't have it all figured out yet. I'll actually let you in on a, on a little secret this morning. Uh, you're never going to have it completely figured out. It, it's called faith for a reason. At a certain point, you've gathered enough information. God has shown up and shown off in your life in, in such a way that you're like, I'm pretty sure he's out there, and, and you decide to take that leap. You decide to exercise your faith, and specifically your faith in Jesus. J jump on board. Begin to play a role in what God is already doing and help us fulfill our mission to lead other people towards Jesus. And here's why we all, we all but beg you to make that move as soon as possible. And this just honestly comes from firsthand observation, from firsthand experience. Uh, Long-time attenders eventually become dissatisfied customers. See, when you merely attend, again, the hallmark question, as we just covered, is, is what's in it for me? It's a fine question to ask initially, but, but not eventually. See, when it's all about you, you are the center of your own universe, just stating the obvious, which for 99% of the population is a completely acceptable way to live. It's, it's what drives virtually all of our behavior. It's what drives, honestly, a lot of our lives. But, but, but there's a little problem when you carry that into the church and refuse to move on from that what's in it for me mentality. See, at the heart of the local church, by the way, God's instrument, his plan, his vessel to take the message of his son to the ends of the earth, at the heart of the local church, it's not you, it's, it's Jesus. Get off of his throne in heaven, take on all of the limitations of the human experience, then eventually be crucified and take off the weight of, of our sin, of our rebellion, then triumphantly rise from the grave, thus conquering sin and death so that we might have new life, Jesus. That is, is who this is, this is all about. Not, not you, not me, not, not anyone else watching. So if you stay parked in the attender spot for, for, for a long time, you, you continue to ask yourself, what's in it for me? You're kind of playing a sick game with yourself, wholly convincing yourself that this is all about you rather than all about Jesus. And as such, again, you quickly become a dissatisfied customer. Let me, for instance, give ourselves some, some real-life ways that we see this express itself so you can kind of like get your head around what I'm talking about. Uh, d dissatisfied customers, uh, they, for instance, they complain that the music is too loud. It, it isn't finely tuned to your exact like audio specifications. And, and in your mind, it's not really worship. It's music meant to entertain you, so it's too loud. Like, let's, let's bring that thing down. Uh, dissatisfied customers, they, they gripe that the music went on for, for too long. It's like, right, we, we came here to listen to that guy speak, not watch a concert. It's like, okay, three songs feels like way too many. Two's probably still too many. One, if we're honest, we kind of wish there actually wasn't any music at all. Uh, but, but we can put up with one. It's like, it's just going too long. Uh, dissatisfied customers, they, they casually mention that they didn't feel seen. Nobody comes up and talks to us, never mind the fact that we give almost no space for that to actually happen. We don't like the fact that, that we're anonymous around here. Uh, dissatisfied customers tell others that the pastor talks about money too much. Uh, by the way, I know a lot of other pastors, and I've never talked to a single pastor ever 
who has not had this accusation thrown their way at some point in their ministry. In a lot of people's mind, one time, talking about money once is just way too many times. Uh, Dissatisfied customers always have ways that the first impressions experience could have been better. That the coffee was just kind of blah, that the music in the lobby, it wasn't Christian enough. The check-in for my kids took way too long. The bathroom was out of mints. Their toilet paper was like really thin. I, I prefer a thicker brand of toilet paper. These are all real things that we have actually heard before. Uh, dissatisfied customers complain that everyone just seems so fake. People that, mind you, you've already kind of admitted that you don't even know, but you can just tell. I mean, you've got an eye for this sort of thing. These people, these church people, they're just so fake. Uh, by the way, it was not very difficult to put together that list. But, but do, do you see the theme? More than anything else, longtime attenders who, again, eventually turn into dissatisfied customers, they complain. They, they gripe. They, they, they do this magic trick where, where they turn our connect cards, a, 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 an instrument that we try to use to connect people who, who are new around here into this faith community. Uh, they transform them into comment or complaint cards. They, they, again, they, they complain. And, and honestly, and I'm being serious right now with what I'm about to say, I don't blame them. B- because you have sold yourself a bill of goods that we're never going to be able to deliver on. You, you've convinced yourself that this is all about you. Not much different than, for instance, going to the movies. And if this was all about you, then of course we as, as a church, as a service on Sunday mornings, were under-delivering. So we encourage those of you who have been showing up for really any amount of time is to, to make the move from attender to, to owner. And, and owners, rather than being consumed with the question, what's in it for me? No, no, no. Owners instead ask, how can I play a role in what God is doing amongst this faith community? It's no longer all about you, it's, it's all about Jesus. And as such, you leverage your time, your talents, the gifts that God has given you, your, your treasure, your resources, your, your, your money, certainly, your possessions. You leverage it for his kingdom, regularly actually asking yourself, hey, not what's in it for me, but how can I serve the me beside me? Because remember, it would actually be Jesus himself who would teach when he was asked, hey, what is the most important commandment? He replied, hey, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and that would have surprised absolutely no one. That's like the textbook Sunday school answer. But then he goes on to say, hey, a second is equally important. And now we had the crowd's attention. Everybody's leaning in. They're going like, wait, wait, wait. There's a command that is equally important to loving God. And he's like, exactly. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, again, if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, don't miss this. That This might be the gospel most, most succinctly packed into one sentence. Your love for God is illustrated, demonstrated, and authenticated by how well you love and serve the people around you. And and like it or not, God himself has chosen the local church as the avenue, as the tool, as the instrument to spread the name of his son, Jesus, to the ends of the earth. Or or as we often say around here, the the local church is plan A and and there is no plan B. So, So as followers of Jesus, we choose to jump on board with what Jesus has already set in motion. We choose to submit to his plan. And I happen to think that, that Jesus knew what he was talking about. I mean, after all, here we are some, some 2,000 years post the resurrection of Jesus, and, and we're still talking about him. 
A lot of you have probably never thought about it in these terms, but Jesus would only spend about three years building his brand. He would only spend about three years doing his earthly ministry, and then he would end up leaving his message in the hands of his misfit toys, a bunch of undereducated, underqualified individuals, and he would charge them with these words right before he would leave the earth. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey, not some, all the commands I have given you. And and be sure of this, since this boat of reassurance, he's like, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Uh, Not these words that were just meant to be like this little pep talk, but he's like, hey, no, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, God in spirit, who dwells within every follower of Jesus to go with you, before you, after you. And just like that, he was gone. And and the local church started doing exactly what Jesus said it would. That despite massive persecution, all the odds stacked against it. I mean, shoot, there wasn't even a formal Bible compiled for hundreds of years post-Jesus' resurrection. I mean, Christianity wouldn't just survive, it it would thrive. And and, and here we are some 2,000 years later, and the local church is still here, doing exactly what Jesus said it would do. Now, is it perfect? No. In fact, Jesus guaranteed it wouldn't be. After all, he, he left his message in the hands of very imperfect people like, like you and I. It, it's actually just that that kind of makes this even more remarkable. In a lot of ways, I have to remind myself of this, it seems like the local church works despite us. So, so, so jump on board. Allow yourself, imperfect you, to be used by a perfect God to accomplish his perfect mission here on this earth. Make the move from attender to owner. Ask, how can I play a role in what God is already doing amongst this faith community? How can I leverage my very limited amount of time here on this earth for his kingdom? A a mission, a kingdom, oh, by the way, that will outlast all of us. And, And as you step into that owner role, something beautiful begins to take place. You, you'll, you'll stop being consumed with you, how, how all of this benefits you. And you'll instead become obsessed with what, with what moves the heart of Jesus, what led him to freely offer himself as the once and for all sacrifice for our collective sin problem. You, you'll become obsessed with seeing your fellow image bearers restored. Since God himself chose the local church as the avenue to spread the life-changing, eternity-transforming message of Jesus to the ends of the earth, from a heart of gratitude, so overcome by what Jesus has done for you, you'll desperately want to play a role in getting that message to others. See, owners eventually become obedient followers, not dissatisfied customers. As you put your yes on the table, You'll start to see God show up and show off not only in your life, but but in the lives of the people around you, the the, the people even here, right amongst this faith community. Your your faith will grow. And as your faith grows, your your trust in him will grow. And and as that trust grows, you'll, you'll find yourself taking steps of obedience that you once thought were reserved for like the spiritual Navy SEALs. You'll find yourself leveraging your entire life for for his kingdom, for, for his church. And, and frankly, why, why wouldn't you? After all, you've, you've seen him show off in such dramatic ways in the past that there's a holy anticipation for what he's going to do in the future. And, and listen, come on. if you're here today and you're currently parked in the attender seat, I, I get it. 
everything inside of you is saying you need more answers. I mean, come on, you've only been here for a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years. You need to get to know these people better. Be slow, be cautious. Feel things out for a couple more months. But, but I would say to you, be, be careful with that. You'll become that dissatisfied customer quicker than you think. Our ego, our pride, not unique to a single one of us, this is just a human thing. Our all about me mentality has a stronger gravitational pull than we usually account for. And remember, honestly, Jesus, he's already given his life for you. So, so what else might he have waiting for you? He's already proven himself trustworthy, so why not extend a little trust his direction? In fact, in that vein, Jesus would look at each of his disciples, most of them armed with very little information. Remember, the whole die and rise from the grave thing hadn't happened yet. Here was his big recruitment tool for each of his disciples. He'd look at them and say, follow me. And they, probably like most of you, had, had no idea what they were saying yes to. But, but you know what? A, a couple of years later, every one of them were sure glad that they accepted that invitation. And, and all of us, the truth is, is that we don't really have an excuse because we now know with the benefit of hindsight exactly what Jesus would pull off, what, what he was leading them to. We don't know exactly what he might do for our lives, what he might do with our lives, but, but it's not a blind faith. It's a, it's a very informed faith. What we're choosing to trust the guy who would successfully predict his own death and resurrection. So, so again, I'll say it. Do what, what those early disciples decided to do. Do what the, the early church decided to do. Do what so many people who are watching right now have decided to do. Put your yes on the table. Leverage your time, your talents, your treasure for, for God's kingdom. Go all in for the local church. Plan A for taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And again, there is no plan B. Make the move from attender to owner. Now, uh, the rest of this message, uh, I am going to make this all kinds of practical, be all kinds of direct, and go kind of rapid fire through some behaviors and habits that distinguish the owners from, from everyone else. So, so get out those notepads, bust out your phone, whatever you need to take notes with. If you're saying you're a follower, not just a believer, an owner, not just an attender, here are your marching orders as we head into what is kind of the greatest season of growth uh, for the local church, at least here in America. Uh, I titled this the Owner Manifesto. All right, first one, we ready? Uh, owners are no longer content tipping. They give a percentage of their income back to the local church. Uh, now, you might have noticed that, that I started with the one that usually has the highest potential to ruffle some feathers. But, but when it comes to your finances, uh, you're not going to continue flirting with God. See, there's a big difference between tipping and, and tithing or percentage giving. Uh, tipping is typically emotional. Tipping typically doesn't have much of a plan. Uh, you will hear a message, honestly, maybe one much like today, and you're like, oh man, okay, I just got to cleanse my conscience. So you drop 20 bucks in. You give 50 bucks and it kind of just makes you feel a little bit better about you. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. Virtually everyone starts at tipping. But, but tithing or percentage giving, it communicates that, that you have a plan. That you, if you're married, you sat down with your spouse and you decided, okay, like what's going to make us a little bit uncomfortable? What's going to cause us to, to rely on God perhaps a little bit more than we did yesterday? 
Tithing says, I'm going to make a conscious decision to give a percentage of my income back to the local church to contribute, yes, with my finances to, to what God is doing here on this earth. Now, listen, uh, scripture is pretty clear that, that 10% uh, is not the finish line, it's the starting point. But, but I'm also uh, human enough to understand that if you've never practiced percentage giving before, you're probably not going to go from zero to 10% overnight. I get that. And so it's why I challenge this faith community, just start with a percentage. Start with four, start with five, start with six. Pick a percentage, and I'm confident that if you do that, God will begin to get a hold of your heart in such a way that you'll be at 10% before you know it. And my encouragement to all of you would be, stop waiting for that magical moment. It's not gonna come. It is a rather line in the sand moment where you just decide, am I going to contribute to God's mission here on this earth? And so again, my challenge to so many of you today would be to set that up today. Go, we make this comment all the time, that the best and the easiest way to give is to set up recurring giving at grumlaw.com slash give. Begin to give a percentage of your income back to the local church. Uh, next one, uh, owners sign up and show up to their Connect group. Now, now this is timely as Connect group signups are gonna be happening here uh, in mid-September. Connect groups are where we get out of the rows of Sunday mornings and we get into circles in people's living rooms. Connect groups are where real, meaningful relationships are actually formed. You've probably picked up on the fact that it's kind of hard to get to know people in like the five minutes before and after service. Connect groups are where those relationships happen. But as an owner, you don't just sign up, you actually, you, you show up. You're not the person, and this happens in every single group, you're not the person that the leader thinks about leading up to that night where their group is gonna meet or that morning and they're wondering, is fill in the blank going to show up today? They're, they're like super hit or miss. No, 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 you don't just sign up, you show up week after week after week. And not only that, you participate and in fact, you lead with a level of vulnerability that allows other people to be vulnerable as well. Uh, this is really interesting. What distinguishes one group from the next? What, what makes a, a great group from just like a, eh, a group that everybody just kind of shrugs their shoulders and kind of says, I'm kind of ready to be done meeting with these people? It is the level of vulnerability amongst that group. It actually has little to do with the leaders and a lot more to do with the people who have signed up for the group. And, and are they going to lean in? Are, are they actually going to get involved with one another's lives? Are, are they going to share things that they maybe haven't shared with others before? Get vulnerable, sign up, show up, be consistent, be a part of the group, lean into those conversations, get involved in each other's lives. Uh, owners serve two times each month. Um, a lot of you, you've been a part of this church now for weeks, months, some of you years, and you still haven't jumped on a serve team. T today is your Sunday. Go to grumlaw.com slash discover right now and sign up to get on a team. And, and once you sign up to, to get on a team, you make whoever does the scheduling for your position really, really easy because you're reliable and you show up on time and, and you don't put 57 blackout dates throughout the year because you're just like, don't want to be there on a Sunday morning. You get there for huddle. You exude a contagious joy when you serve. You actually participate. I'm going to make sure I'm stepping on everybody's toes right now. You actually participate in the worship service at the other service time rather than becoming that jaded Christian who says, man, serving causes me to miss church. It's like, well, no, you cause yourself to miss church. You don't get to participate in the service because rather than going to one service and serving at the other, you just serve at one and then go home. 
So, so you participate in the life of this church. You make it your priority to be in the running for volunteer of the year. Yes, that is actually a thing here amongst this faith community. We give out an award at each uh, every year at our annual volunteer Christmas party, one person from each campus gets crowned the volunteer of the year. It is a person every year who just continues week after week, day after day, to put their yes on the table for the local church. They serve the local church because, again, they are an owner of the local church. Uh, Owners regularly invite those in their sphere of influence into this faith community. Uh, You don't allow yourself to take the bait that, well, that's just the pastor's job. that's, That's for people who work for the church. No, no, you ask those whom you do invite to, you take this a step further, you say, hey, why don't you come sit with me? You make it personal. You make sure that they understand that like, hey, I'm a part of this faith community and I desperately want you to be a part of it as well. Now, now those right there, we just ran through four of them. Those are kind of like the big four. Uh, but now I'm gonna go even more rapid fire through, through a handful more and they honestly are just kind of all a spillover effect from those first four. And again, they're in no particular order. Uh, owners sit in the front of the room in order to leave seats in the back open for guests. Church, I know that those of us, because I'm among this crowd who sit up in the front, that we can be a bit intimidating. We, we, we tend to be a little bit noisier. Uh, we tend to get involved a little bit more in worship. I get that. But, but think about it. If you've been coming to this church for a while and you think it's intimidating to come sit in the front, how much more for the person who is new to this faith community and they walk in a couple minutes late only to find that the only open chunk of seats where they can sit together with their family is in the front row. Church, stop taking the dang ropes off. Stop fighting to be as far back in the shadows as possible. Come on up front with the owners. And I challenge you to treat the parking lot the exact same way. Don't fight for the space that is closest to the doors. No, you park in the back of the lot so that those who are new to this whole faith community, new to this whole church thing, get the front row spot. Owners contribute to an environment that is marked by contagious joy. That means that you cheer loud for the people on the stage. You talk back during the message. You engage. You laugh loud, hard, and often. You sing during worship. In other words, you validate the words that are spoken and sung from the stages on Sunday morning by your response. Church, super practically speaking, isn't it a little odd for, for someone who's just kind of beginning to figure out Jesus? If, if I, for instance, get up here and speak with such passion and excitement, but, but then all of you respond in complete apathy? Don't we undermine who we're proclaiming Jesus to be if we don't respond in enthusiasm in particular here during these Sunday morning services? So, so get loud, have fun with it. You have no idea the walls that you begin to break down when you engage with the service rather than just sitting back and, and, and listening rather than just taking in for yourself. Uh, owners treat an alone person in the church. This is one of the most important ones here. Owners treat an alone person in the church as an emergency. You can grab lunch with your friends after church, but, but when you walk through the doors as an owner, you start scanning for those who look lost, confused, those who look reserved, and, and you initiate a conversation with those people. Uh, honestly, this, this gets me all kinds of giddy. Can you imagine what would change in this church if all of the owners just started doing this? That it would literally be impossible for someone to walk away from Grumla on a Sunday morning and think, I, I just didn't feel seen. But by the way, that, that is the number one piece of negative feedback for every church in America. 
It's the, what, the reason that some people come back and, and others don't. D- did they feel seen? It, it doesn't really have much to do with the preaching or the worship. It's like, no, no, no. Did I walk through those doors and was I anonymous there just like I am everywhere else in this world? Or, or did somebody actually come and engage me in a conversation? Did, did, did they try to learn my name? Introduce yourself to them and then introduce them to someone else. Church, and I'm going to be just very, very frank right now. It's what drives me nuts about those of you who show up 10 minutes late and and then you leave the minute that you get dismissed. It's not that I'm worried that you're missing a part of the message or a part of the worship. It's that you treat this like a religious show rather than a faith family that you get to be a part of. When people say, and this is a common complaint about churches, when people say that the church is unfriendly and it feels like a big production, you are the problem. So practically speaking, owners arrive 10 minutes early and they stay for 10 minutes after service. And you specifically use that time to walk around the auditorium, to walk around the lobby and introduce yourself to those whom you do not know. You treat an alone person like an emergency. Uh, Owners, and this is the last one here, owners embrace this community as my church. Uh, A very common occurrence for me as I'm talking with people who have been a part of this church for, for a pretty long time, is they'll say things to me like, Shay, I just love this, this blank thing, this thing about your church. I just love the children's ministry at your church. Or, or Shay, I don't seem to understand this about your church. I'm like, no, no, no. And I always correct people. I'm like, it's not my church. Like, it, it's your church too. It is our church. For, for owners, it, it's your church. It's my church. It, it's ours. We, our faith community, our family. And when you begin to see it through that lens, you begin to take ownership. You don't dare, for instance, and just going to give us some examples, walk past that piece of trash in the parking lot. If someone spills their coffee, you don't assume that somebody else is going to clean it up. No, you begin to treat this place like you would your own home. Every single Sunday, I pick up so many coffee sleeves and mint wrappers in particular. And honestly, I'm just telling you this, I don't mind, but the thought has definitely crossed my mind. I'm like, how many other owners have already walked right past this stuff? Owners see a problem and they don't just report it. They think of how they can make it better and they contribute to the solution. And as an owner, because it's your church, Uh, You're here often. One of the challenges that I've been uh, throwing out to this faith community here over the last couple of years is to pre-decide the number of Sundays that you are willing to miss in a given year. Because if you just leave it to chance, I'm telling you, you're going to end up being here a lot less often than you probably anticipated. Now, right now, I'm going to take the opportunity to brag on actually one of our staff members. Uh, Her name is Sue Seacrest. She serves as our executive director. Uh, If I'm just being honest, she's kind of the one that runs this place behind the scenes. And her position is typically one where you could pretty well lock yourself in an office and and just get a lot of like this administrative work done here for this church. But it was just actually this last Sunday. um, We ended up having to tear down our grand blank space at the last minute. And what do you know? Sue was there to help tear it down. And then later on in the week, on Saturday evening, when we had to go back up to Grand Blanc and get some stuff ready so that we'd actually be ready for Sunday morning, you better believe that she was back up there helping us to set up. Then she was back the next morning at 6.30 a.m. on Sunday to make sure that the remaining setup took place. And as it would turn out, uh, somebody very creatively decorated the men's bathroom with, with vomit the night before. And uh, because there were no housekeepers available at that time of the day, who do you think it was that went into the men's bathroom and ended up cleaning up all of the dried vomit that was on the floor, on the walls, on the sink? Sue Seacrest. 
Then later on that day, we have had so many babies showing up to Grand Blanc, which is an incredible thing that we celebrate. But, but a lot of babies, you get a couple of them crying and it becomes overwhelming quick. So she also served in our nursery. None of that is a part of her job description and not even close. She could have very well said, I'm not doing that and nobody would have batted an eye. But that is what owners do. They see a need and they meet the need. Why? Because it's my church. I'm not merely an attender. I am an owner. Now, now where is all of this leading? Uh, the early Christian church, uh, we, we, we get a snapshot into what took place when, when a group of people collectively got over themselves, when they said, this is not about me, this is all about Jesus, and, and they decided not to merely attend, but own their role in the local church. I'm going to have us look here at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It's titled, maybe in your scripture, it says something different, but in the NLT, it says, the believers form a community. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared with the money, the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All of the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, each day, every single day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The, the early church, in other words, it, it was irresistible. In Grumla, we have an opportunity to be that church to this community. But, but it's not going to happen if just, if just a handful jump on board with this. We, we need everyone. We need all of you owners who are wholly committed to Jesus's redemptive plan for the world. I cannot wait to see how God shows up and shows off this fall.